everybody. Thanks again for joining me for another edition of March 4th with Mike Bauman. I, of course, am your host, Mike Bauman, and it's good to be back doing another episode. Really excited to bring this one to you guys out there, whoever you are, wherever you are listening in the world right now. I really appreciate you checking out the podcast in my little corner of the world, especially as we all go through this quarantine with COVID-19 this pandemic that has swept the world, it really is surreal, man, um, to say the least. It's kind of like a Stephen King novel of sorts, and I just hope and pray that wherever you are, however you're listening to this, that you and your loved ones are safe and that this will be a little slice of positivity in your day as we adjust to kind of this new normal, and hopefully things will get back to you know, more of a normal normal, if that makes sense in the near future. Um, but keeping social distance, washing your hands, you know, doing what you can to to avoid contact with other people as much as possible is obviously the the safest things you can do right now, the safest measures you can take. So I'm really keeping my fingers crossed for all of you out there, not just myself. Um, I'm going on like six, seven weeks now being at home, working from home. I recently shaved you know, one of the one of the benefits, I guess, of working from home is you can just kind of, you know, let the let the facial hair and the, the the hair game go go a little gnarly, man. And I did, I did. I uh, normally rock a little bit of a five o'clock shadow because I can't speak for any of the men out there listening to this and your facial facial hair sitch, your situation with uh, the growth on the cheeks and the chin and whatnot. But most of mine grows on my neck. That's where most of it is, and I don't know if you've noticed, but there's not too many fellas on the cover of GQ or starring in movies that uh, are rocking the neared, if you know what I'm saying, the neck beard. So uh, usually I go about a week. I've got very sensitive skin, and so shaving frequently tends to really break out my neck. Um, I know most of you didn't tune into this to get to get any grooming advice from a guy you've probably not met unless you're a close friend or family member of mine, and uh, you know me well enough to know that I go on rants like this all the time. So I'm just going to keep keep going down this path real quick before we get into the meat and potatoes. Fast forward if you choose. But I decided to let it grow a little bit, and it turns out that I don't really look that good with both the color of my facial hair and the way in which it grows. You know, um, I kind of had like a chin strappy sort of thing going on and it all connected and everything, but the, the stash was a little wispy. It was, um, it was not Tom Selleck-esque and my father has, um, father always sounds really proper to me. My father, it's very like Star Wars-y. Anyway, I digress. Uh, back to the beard rant. Yes, my stash. So my mustache is quite wispy. And I've got uh, sort of the Irish genes on my mom's side, and I guess you could say more of a hodgepodge on my dad's side. I think it's like the German kind of mixed with some French and Greek in there. If you if you know me, uh, you know, I, 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 I look very kind of more, I guess, what you would consider just sort of like the European Irish guy, you know. <laughs> but my dad's stash, what I'm getting at, is his, his mustache is uh, – He's got a very he's got a nice stash, man. He's he's always had a nice stash since I was a kid. I, I only ever remember him shaving it like 
a couple of times and it was like weird, like you noticed it, you know what I mean? And in fact, I think one of the last couple of years before he retired, he did that and people at work asked him if like he got a haircut or something or asked him if he was like, okay, because <laughs> they were just so used to seeing him with it. So anyway, as his offspring, you would think that I would be able to grow, you know, uh, a, a Tom Selleck slash Mike's dad ask stash. And it turns out it, it's just not really in the cards for me, man. So I can kind of do like the goatee thing a little bit, but you know, what I've found with the beard and, and, and I admire all the men out there who, who can grow a really nice beard. Uh, it takes work, dude, you know, cause then you, you get to that like six, seven day point where you're just itching your cheeks and your neck. And it's just like, I'm digging my nail. You know, you're not supposed to touch your face with all this stuff going on. And I don't anyway, cause I'm kind of, I was already sort of a germaphobe going into this. So Anyway, this is five minutes of your life you won't be able to get back with me talking about my very non-existent beard, uh, but but I got tired of it and I decided to shave it. I took some pictures as a frame of reference, um, you know, just, just for, you know, one of those nights where you're thumbing through old pictures on your phone. And you're like, oh yeah, I tried that one time and uh, it didn't look great. So to all you dudes out there who can rock the beard, man, congrats congrats you know but i just don't have the patience to uh to trim the uh sort of halfway between a chin strap and a beard that i was rocking um so oh yeah who's the guest on the show mike as you rant about your non-existent beard the guest on the show today everybody is none other than one of my other favorite mics and that is mike jameson who runs toledo sports network He's a guy that I first met about a decade ago, and on the last episode, you heard from another good friend and former colleague of mine, Mike or uh, Mick Gonzalez. I'm getting my mics in my mix. Blah. Mick Gonzalez, um, who also uh, you know has has been instrumental in the growth of Toledo Sports Network over the years, and I wanted to get Mike on the show in addition to Mick because they were two key figures in my life. And where I am now and um, coming out of my shell and, and doing this kind of stuff with the sports broadcasting, it wouldn't have been possible without those two gentlemen. And they were instrumental in me just having a, a growth in my life in terms of confidence and 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 speaking and, and just, you know, not being afraid to, to, to just go after things in general, you know, and this this story that you'll hear, well, stories. It's a compilation of a lot. This focuses more on on you know Mike's background and how he got into radio and TV and all the stuff that he's done. And with the theme of this podcast just being perseverance and moving forward, I really couldn't think of a better guy to do this because if there's anybody who you know gets knocked down and gets back up again and just continues to get back up, it's it's Mike Jameson. He's a resilient dude. He always used to say, as you'll hear in the show, you know, we'll make it work. And he did, man, and he does. And uh, I love the dude. He's he's like the the older brother um, from another lover, really. I've got I've got great older brothers, but he's like the older older brother, you know. I mean, he's Mike's like I don't know fifty something now. <laughs> he probably don't want me telling him his age, but too late, Mikey. But uh, he really was kind of like an older brother figure. Him, him, and uh, Mick. You know, they they were mentors for this stuff. 
I've had so many great memories over the years with them. And as I started to back up this podcast, I wanted to, you know, give some background into their lives and, and their careers because one of my, my goals for this, not to sound self-righteous, is that I really hope that this inspires people who listen to it to pursue whatever they're passionate about, you know, regardless of the money or, you know, any of that, man, just go for what you love and you will be better off for it. Don't be afraid of a challenge, face your fears, face the unknown, and you will come out of the side with great experiences and great relationships. I really believe that. And this guy is one of those great relationships that I've had over the years because I chose to pursue something that scared the crap out of me, which was getting on camera and doing football and basketball games for high school sports and eventually radio and eventually this podcast. So without further ado, I'm going to show my big yapper and give you my conversation with the one, the only, the resilient Mike Jameson. It's good to see you, man. Thanks for for taking some time with me today. I appreciate it, brother. Hey, not a not a problem at all, man. I always love talking to you. Yeah, how do you like how do you like my my gross uh, chin strappy beard I got going on right now? Well, it it looks like you've been using the same razor for like the last month and a half because you can't get out, and it's finally starting to really cut you. So you just decided to say, "Nah, done." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's coming in a little, it's coming in a little spotty. But you know, that's one of the the benefits, I guess, of working from home is I can kind of let the the hair and the face grow a little bit. Um, but in all seriousness, man, it's good to catch up with you when I when I got the show going again and and was trying to revamp it and you know figure out like a good theme for it and like who I wanted to have on here. You were one of the people because like Mick, you guys were like the first two dudes that got me rolling with this whole broadcasting thing as far as um you know going down that path when I got out of college because I was really just kind of dead set on doing sports writing and then I ran into uh Mick at Toledo Hospital through uh Tom Bedell he he's the one that got us in touch oh yeah and um, Mick and I met at lunch, and I kind of balked at first, as I as I told on the show with Mick. I was nervous about being on camera, and then uh, eventually I was like, you know, what, let me give this a shot. A couple weeks into the football season, and the first time I met you was out at uh, Blue Pacific Grill. You remember that? Oh yeah, oh yeah, Jen- Jessica's place. Yeah, that was like almost ten years ago, man. Wow. Yeah. Oh, now you're starting to get me old. Now, now, thank goodness we're not showing this video. I did. Now I'm old. <laughs> yeah, that was um, probably September of 2010. I want to say. Wow. And I remember I came out there, and you guys were doing like a high school football recap show, and um, I think I. <laughs> I had like a button-down shirt on. I had no idea what I was doing. I had, I had no idea what I was doing. And Mick was like, "Yeah, this is a guy I was telling you about from Toledo Hospital." Um, it felt like the this like a scene in a Goodfellas meet, you know movie. Like, oh, this is the guy I was telling you about. You know, 
and you were like, okay, well, let's just throw him on camera and see what he can do. And and I hadn't done any of the games or anything, and I think you were just kind of seeing how comfortable I would be with it. And then the first game that I did was Otsego, and I think it was Anthony Wayne. That was the first game. After that show, you're like, yeah, well, we got a game if you want to come out and try to do color. And then um, I told the story when, when, when I had Mick on the show, but I was kind of nervous, kind of edgy. And then um, right before halftime, Mick was asking me, you know, so Bomber, you guys always call me Bomber. What, what would you do on this play? And they had the, the Fremantle brothers on Otsego. And I said, well, I think I get the ball to this kid in space and see what he can do. And they were at like the 50-yard line. And sure enough, they threw like a little swing pass to him. And he took it to the house, and Mick was going nuts. And then I remember I came down at halftime, and you were just like, "Dude, you know." <laughs> um, so all the all the nerves were lifted. But what I wanted to, to, I guess, to just start with, even though that was a little story to kind of kick things off, was just um, I, I kind of want to go back to the beginning of you in your interest in the radio and broadcasting stuff? Because that started with your dad, right? Yeah, that's that's. I can blame all of this on my dad and my dad's friends because, you know, I was, gosh, 10 years old, maybe 11. Oh, I know, even before that, I was 5 and 6. And I was over at uh, uh, Midwestern Broadcasting, which was a WOHO here in Toledo, and it was like the number one station. They were kind of up there with CKLW and everything. And I would basically spend my afternoons and my evenings uh, uh, in the in the control room with some of the best DJs in this area. Period. And I, you know, by the time I was ten years old, I thought, man, this is what I want to do. And uh, you know, I guess the rest is all just kind of. That's the way it all kind of happened, and uh, I, I, you know, financially it wasn't the right choice, obviously. <laughs> but I'm doing what I want to do, and uh, you know, uh, it, it's basically up to me, you know, to put strawberries in my cream, you know. So that's, uh, and I love every second of it. And it's gosh, it's over ten, uh, over uh, gosh, since 2006 we've been doing this now, and. Uh, and we've, you know, with our YouTube and uh, what we do with live broadcasts and what we do with our TV broadcasts, I mean, there, there's nobody around what we're doing like that. Yeah, yeah. So what about your dad, Mike? What do you think it was that, that got him into the, to the radio stuff? Did he ever talk to you about that? Well, you know, when he was, when he was real young, he, my dad was an uh, electrical engineer that never went to school. My dad could build anything. My dad... Uh, build himself his own radio transmitter when he was 15 years old and had his own radio station back in the 50s and uh, uh, and he uh, of course the FCC busted him because he was so good at it and they made him uh, they made him the uh, same thing actually happened to me too he built one for me when I was about 12 years old and the FCC shut me down too and uh, I, my dad was just one of them guys that, you know, he could fix anything electrical. He could, he could just make anything electronically work, and, uh, and that was kind of his, his bag. And, uh, and he never got to take it as far as I have, 
uh, because he never got to be behind the camera when he was working at the radio stations. He was a salesman there, and he never got to do the uh, production end or, you know, being on on radio. And uh, and he, you know, whereas I took it that far, and he never got to. So as you got older, when did it start to kind of kind of come around for you? Because uh, I know that there's there's music involved in this, which we'll, which we'll get into in terms of um, the DJing end of things, but. Oh, yeah. So as a kid, you got exposed to it, and then take me through like high school and like teens and, and early twenties. It was there was there ever a drop off in it, or did you was it always kind of something you kind of played around with? When when did it start to come around in terms of you actually going for it? I uh, through my high school years, you know my my early high school years, I was a nerd of all nerds. And uh, I played basically every instrument that you could play, trombone, bass guitar, guitar, piano, played all of those. So my freshman and sophomore year, it was all that. And then I'm a big, tall guy, and the basketball coach finally grabbed me and said, why aren't you playing basketball? So I got into basketball, and uh, my senior year, I was all city, uh, enjoyed playing the game and being a part of the game. I played fed basketball. I, uh, I was set to go to play at Capital University down in southern Ohio, and I uh, tore my hamstrings really bad the summer before I was to go and play, and that kind of killed it for me. Uh, and I started working at UPS, and I became a UPS driver, started making a lot of money, uh, and you know got myself into the DJing end of it because, uh, you know, like I said, I've always been in music. And working in the nightclubs, and you know, I just like to be in front of people, and uh, and that's what happened. I, I got in front of the people, and uh, you know, I disc jockeyed a lot in the nightclubs. I did the weddings. I still do the weddings, and uh, have fun with all of that. But the uh, uh, I I started doing uh, back in 1992, or no, actually 1988 is when I started working back at Midwestern Broadcasting, and uh, I was in sales, hated every second of it. I'm not a salesman that way. Uh, and I convinced one of the program directors to put me on the air, and I started on Classic Country, 1470, and uh, it was, uh, I, I, I always tell the story, one of, we always, we always had these like cue cards we had to read that were our promotional messages, or, uh, you know, if they were uh, uh, messages just to get the word out about certain things going on. And one of the messages was about, uh, uh, you know, over 50,000 uh, men suffer from impotence. <laughs> instead of, And that was, that was my claim to fame because 50,000 impotent men. We're all, you know, we're all impotent. I wouldn't read it right. So, of course, it was impotent. And uh, long story short, I, uh, I had to read my cue cards a little bit better than that. But I, I kind of stepped up. Jay Richards was our program director, and he just said, man, you're good. He said, you walk songs well, you, you talk well, you, you, you just you have fun with people. And it just stepped up to this, to this, and I started working at an oldie station there, and then uh, and then uh, got out of it for about a year or two, and then came back with my uh, you know a golf television show, and uh, we decided to do radio with the golf TV show called uh, Toledo Golf Today, and that was back in '92, and that's kind of where we're at now. So if we back up a little bit. Um... 
before the the impotent part of back to your your high school basketball days so back in the day you know and people people who don't live in Toledo or aren't from Toledo might not realize this but there was a really really vibrant uh city league especially basketball going on at that time um and even in the metro area i I was just watching our good buddy steve taylor uh sit down and have a conversation with kelvin ramsey uh who who was like nba all rookie with the trailblazers in in i think 1980 and helped revive the ohio state men's basketball program so if if we back up just a little bit because there's a lot of good stuff in there who were some of the, some of the guys that you were playing against when you were at Cardinal Stretch? Oh wow! Uh, I one of my biggest nemesis was from Scott High School, uh, uh, Kenny Waddell. Kenny was uh, I actually have a picture of me. My only picture when I was ever in the blade is I'm going up for a layup, and Kenny Waddell is about seven feet over top of me, <laughs> and, and click that thing about three seconds later. Him and, uh, you know, Newburn and all of those guys, Marcus Newburn. I mean, Sean Patterson, uh, uh, you know, Luke Murphy, who is one of my dearest friends, who wound up going to play for the uh, Washington Generals with the uh, with the Globetrotters for years. And Luke and I still play together and separately in leagues and stuff and, you know, old man basketball. Uh, but those were some of the names that, uh, you know, you know, worked up against me. Uh, you know, Barry Sonnenberg, who played in Napoleon, who was just an incredible basketball player. Uh, and, uh, and, and those were some of them. Brian Miller from St. John's, uh, another incredible point guard. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, Anthony Hall and some of the other guys. A lot of the guys that I dealt with inside, you know, I was never a scorer. I, I wasn't a guy that scored a lot. But I had my, my coach, Brian Williams, who was my first real coach, who was like my dad, uh, you know, literally taught me how to, excuse the French, you know, I beat the shit out of people. Yeah. Uh, I did it well. Um, I, I would get away with it. And uh, they'd find me with the biggest, meanest, ugliest, craziest guy. And I'd walk right up to him and I'd just say, you're mine. And it would just <laughs> so mad that we would just basically cancel each other out you were like you like bill lambeer (laughs) you know i was a nicer bill lambeer yeah i (laughs) I wasn't a bill lambeer after what he did to uh to uh uh, larry bird there but uh but uh i i found a way and i was always a good passer i i I had a lot of assists I, i i worked on getting the ball to the guys that i knew could score uh, I was not physically, I, I was 106, 175 pounds, you know, yeah. and most of that was the gold that I was wearing. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, and I mean, yeah, the red division and the blue division in the city league, and it was, it was, uh, it was tough. And, uh, you know, we played the May Cumbers and uh, uh, we were, uh, Jimmy Jackson, I think, I don't even think he was a freshman when I was a senior. I was going to say, he was um, late 80s, right? Like 88, 89, he was a senior. Yeah, I think, it, yep. Uh, Marcus Newburn was there. Sean Patterson played over at uh, Bowser, incredible basketball player over there. Uh, you know, and a lot of these guys that, uh, uh, a lot of the names just kind of go by me now. We uh, uh, we had a lot of rivalries, rivalries with, like, Lake. 
Yeah. Uh, Todd, Rob, Todd Robson, who to this day is one of my dearest friends, and his son Lucas worked for it to us with Toledo Sports Network. And, uh, and the great thing about what we did back then was I am 56 years old, and other than my health issues I had for a while, um, I'm still playing basketball. And, yeah. you know, we suck. We suck. Let's face it. You know, we're not any good. <laughs> But we still go out there and play, and that's uh, you know uh, that's just a really good thing, and it just shows what was happening be- here. I, I mean, I'm sure I'm leaving out names: Brad Morrison, of course, and Brad who almost killed me. But uh, um, a, a lot of these guys, it just made some great, great, great names for the for Northwest Ohio. And so, when do, when does Capital University come into the picture when you're a senior? You know, I. Uh, my senior year, uh, Kevin McQuaid was my high school varsity coach. And like, like Kevin said, Kevin could never make me an offensive ball player. Number one, we had too many offensive threats on my team. So I, and as always, have been an afterthought when it comes to offense. It, I'm, I'm, but when it comes to go down there and beat the crap out of somebody, boom, bring me in. Um, but... I, I was averaging 15, 16 rebounds a game, five, six block shots a game, and I had anywhere from seven to 12 assists every game. Uh, but I would only score six or eight points. Uh, I was deadly from the three point or the uh, foul shot line. Uh, we didn't have three point back when I played. Uh, and people started contacting me, and Dave Group was the head coach at uh, Capitol. And that basically was a done deal. What I was going to do was I was going to play one year at uh, Owens Tech and uh, a bunch of my friends Phil Sinkovich was the coach there and uh, and that's you know tore the hamstrings the first day of running practices with uh, with uh, Owens Tech and it was so the back of my leg was so ba- I mean it was just coal black I literally ripped it out completely. Oh. it was it was terrible so uh, so that that was basically the end of it for me but as I'm sure you'll talk about with my little heart issue, uh, uh, I basically had the same heart issue as uh, uh, was it Len Bias or was uh, Hank Gathers? Hank Gathers. Was it? Hank Gathers was the one that had the. Uh, he had like uh, was it cardiomyopathy? He had like uh, he had a regular a regular heartbeat. Yep. I think. So the doctor told me that. Thank God you didn't go to play basketball in college because the how tough that would have been physically. You said you'd have been done. So, Jeez. so it all worked out pretty good. That's crazy. So. Yeah, he. Um, I think he died on my birthday in 1990. Uh, that was a, a great documentary. Kind of sad, obviously, because of what what happened to him. But uh, oh, yeah. the 30 for 30, I think, is called the Guru of Go. They average die. On the floor at, because he played for Boston, right? He played for. Um, you're thinking of Len Bias, so okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Len, Len Bias played at Maryland, got drafted by the Celtics, and then died of a cocaine overdose. Right, right. Um, Hank Gathers played. He started at USC initially. Um, his college years, and then he went to Loyola Marymount with his good friend Bo Kimball because they were both from Philly. 
and then they went to Loyola Marymount, and I think they were averaging, it's still like an NCAA record, like 126 points a game or something crazy. Um, and he went up for a dunk and uh, collapsed, and then right. that, that was it. Earlier in the season, they detected it, and they put him on medication, but he, he thought the medication made him sluggish and didn't make him play up to his potential. So then he started... Well, um, it does make you sluggish. <laughs> yeah, he was scaling back, uh, and I don't know, I can't remember the true story, so I don't want to get it wrong. I can't remember if it was in conjunction with the team doctors that he scaled it back, or he just decided he was going to scale it back because he it, it wasn't making him play as well. Um, cause like I said, it was making him sluggish and then, yeah, he was the same old, um, Hank gathers. And then they had a, they had a home game, I think against Portland and, um, went up for a dunk like he always does and started running back up the floor and collapsed and never got back up sad, but, um, heck of a player. Well, I guess it's, it's good news for you. Like you said, that later discovering that heart issue later in life that you, you didn't end up down there at Capitol is their version of Bill and yep. Well, with it happening with me, it wasn't me going up for a dunk and then coming back. It was me guarding a 58 or a 48 year old woman who I said, God, go ahead, take the damn shot. And then I started walking back and fell over and died. a <laughs> <laughs> little bit different story, but, uh, <laughs> So, a, yeah, I was going up for a slam, and uh, no, I was actually standing there. And uh, but you know, thank goodness they got everything fixed with me. So, so you start working at UPS, and then and then you know, because and this is what I want people to understand too, because you've always been a hustler. You've always been a guy who's 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 tried to create for yourself. You 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 haven't re- you know waited for somebody to say, hey, Mike, here's what we're gonna do. You. You're like, okay, this is what I'm gonna yeah. do. This is no what... one believed in me. Yeah, no one believed in me. So how it did the like... how did the the um, the broadcasting thing then come into play at UPS? Because at that time you're also DJing, right? In the right, 80s. Right. Well, actually, the broadcasting came after UPS. Okay. I had I was a UPS driver down in Bowling Green. And uh, I was in, the, and I, I love, I'm going to tell you, you know, this is the 30 at 30 on JMO here, so I'm going to tell you the whole story, all right? <laughs> I, uh, uh, I was a UPS driver. I've been driving for, oh, six, seven years at UPS. Never had an accident. Everything was fine. Uh, uh, and I was in a, I had been dating a girl for a long time. And we were in our, and we were in the outs, so I had I had taken uh, I I had a bunch of uh, uh, music places and everything down in Bowling Green that were on my or on my show or on my stops. So there would be days when I would literally come in with five thousand dollars in money in my pockets, just filled with money for uh, for uh, you know things that we had ever whatever the CODs were. So one day, it was a Friday, I'm going through a terrible thing, and I'm going to lose my woman. Everything, oh, my God, I have to show her that. And her mom said to me, if you ask her to marry you, she'll marry you. And granted, I'm 28 at this time. She'll marry you. You'll be all set. Long story short, I take some of that COD money that day and buy her a ring, knowing on Friday I'm going to get my check. I'll pay for it. It's no big deal. You know, it's just... Okay, I didn't put it in on Thursday. I put it in on Friday, whatever it was. Long story short, I take this girl down to my boat. We take the boat out. 
flowers everywhere. I got rose petals everywhere. I get down on the knee on the middle of the lake. I ask, ask her to marry me. She says no. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh. yeah, that was yeah, that was ugly. That was ugly. And uh, uh, long story short of it, um, so I'm like, oh my god, I am. Uh, I I'm just you know I'm just gonna take the ring back off. Long story short. UPS just happened to uh, uh, audit me that day. <laughs> so not only am I sitting on this, like, I don't know, $1,500 ring, whatever it was, I don't know, that I'm going to take back, so I'm getting my money back that day, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I get audited, I get busted, da-da-da, and they, they, you know, at that point, I was ready, I was done being a UPS driver. I hated it. Um I hated my back hurting all the time. I ha- I just hated it, and uh, so I went into meetings. Oh, you're gonna! T-. I said, listen, every UPS driver takes twenty bucks out and puts it in on Friday. That's just the way it is. That's we all do it. Well, you got to tell us other people. Oh, I'm not telling any. Now, are you nuts? And, and they kept pushing and pushing. And my one supervisor said to me, "You don't have the balls." You know, I had the balls to walk away from this. And I literally ripped the shirt off my back, threw it in his face, threw a couple of F-bombs, and left. And my, my union steward, who to this day is one of my dearest friends, says, I cannot believe you did that. I mean, you got to go back. We, you know, you're Teamsters. This is not a big deal. We'll give you that. I'm done, man. I am done. And two weeks later, I was working at Midwestern Broadcasting for Erwin Young. And I uh, went for my first interview with him, and he took me to a place called the Bombay Bicycle Shop. I had, I had spaghetti for lunch with a white shirt. Don't ever do that, kids. <laughs> if you're going ever. And Irwin has been like my dad. My dad and Irwin were very good friends. And, you know, he gave me the selling thing. I wasn't a salesman. I mean, I'm a salesman, but I, I, didn't, believe, I didn't believe in the product after trying to get $900 a week out of some car stereo place, you know. But I knew if I got on the air, I'd make myself interesting enough that I could uh, do it. And, well, the rest is history, I think. (laughs) So then from there, where does the – are you DJing at the same time with UPS? Are you DJing at Buttons and stuff? Well, two of the nicest nightclubs in this area. One was called Buttons. 2,500 people, and uh, back when 3-2 beer was good, that's uh, 3% beer. So everybody, if you were 18 years old, from Michigan would come down to Buttons because it was right in Perrysburg. And uh, I DJed Thursday night, college ID night. I DJed Friday night, and then Saturday nights I DJed my weddings. And, uh, and Sunday nights I DJed at a nightclub called Henry J's, which and I, I, I love to mix. So while so so while you were at UPS, that was like your passion for music that you're kind of doing on the side. So you already kind of had those fires burning on the side. Yeah, I was actually making more money as a DJ than I was uh, uh, working at UPS. Okay, so you so so and that's what I wanted to talk about that hustle. And I think you know. There, when when I was kind of struggling there for a little bit and trying to figure out, you know, before I ended up moving to Nashville and figure out what I wanted to do, I remember I can't remember if my mom sent it to me or or I found it. I know she definitely sent me one though. But you know, there's there's a lot of inspirational stuff out there. And one of the things was Denzel Washington, 
and who's great, you know. Yeah, I mean, the guy could get yep. you to run through walls, right? Um, and busted his butt to get where he went. But one of the things he said was, whatever it is that you enjoy, that you just like doing, and it doesn't matter about the money or what comes out of it, you just feel like you have to do it. He goes, that's that's already proof positive from God that that's in you, and that that's what you should be going you should be going after. You know, and then discipline and consistency. So I think it's interesting, as that quote relates to you, you know, you, you had your dad and, and being around it when you were a kid. You were doing the music stuff in high school. Then you start DJing. So it was always kind of in you. So even though it ended up with a, uh, a failed proposal and, <laughs> and losing your job at UPS, in a weird way, you doing all that kind of stuff, and just having that passion for it is kind of what led you to start doing your own thing, right? So, so after you get on the radio, then then how does that turn into okay? Now I'm going to start doing my make this a business for myself. Well, you got to remember too, throughout that whole time frame, other and and my dad, my dad really wasn't uh, wasn't uh, uh, super into me doing all of this. Uh, to this day, um, I have you, I have Mick Gonzalez, even Dave Truman, and there, there's basically only a handful of people that think I should be doing this. Steve Taylor. Uh, you know, yeah, exactly. These people, and they get it. Uh, my daughter, oh, hell no. <laughs> uh, uh, my family just thinks, oh, you need to go out and go sell toilet brushes for you know because that's you're a good salesman you should be selling toilet brushes right now you'd be the best toilet brush salesman and i basically and i love them all to death and i do i love everybody to death but go to hell man i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do uh, from the standpoint of doing it business wise it's always been in the back of my mind i always knew from the djing the weddings and videotaping the weddings Man, you got something here. You know, you can you can do pretty well with this. You're not going to be a millionaire, but you can do pretty well. And then your love of sports and your love of, uh, you know, well, mine all just comes down to proving people wrong. Everybody says no. I always have said that the reason the Toledo Sports Network went so good is because of guys like you. When Mike Bauman walked in there and the first time you're on camera, I'm sitting in my little truck just saying, holy crap. This guy knows his stuff, and you did. And and I'm and then I'm pushing buttons, talking to Mick upstairs, and I'm saying, "Oh my God, let do another phone, do another thing with him. We're going to use him. Yeah, I want to use him more, more during this game." And uh, and then it turned into you, you know, you just you know your stuff, and it, and it, and it worked out good for us. And that's, I it wasn't like we had professional professional scripts. Scripps College guys, good on and lane. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I had guys that dig sports and would screw up on camera or whatever, or said did funny Matthew McConaughey stuff. <laughs> and that's what people liked, and that's why our radio show was so good. Still is, but I need man, I need you back, man. Well, now that you've seen, maybe we can use you now with with Skype, so that'll work out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's strange times. So if we if we go um, 
we're go we're into the nineties now, right? When, when once you started doing oh, the yeah. radio station and stuff, and yeah. then you start doing the golf show. So so over the course of the years, you've done golf, you've done weddings, you've done um, high school sports. What was the beginning genesis of that after after being on the radio? When did that start to really take shape with creative video imagery? Well, in uh, about eighty nine ninety. I, uh, I, I I really got into doing wedding videos, and I bought myself a couple of really good cameras, and I bought myself one of these editing computers that were, I, 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 they weren't, it wasn't top grade, but it was still good enough to be on TV, and taught myself how to edit, and then uh, uh, got in with, uh, I don't know, I, to be honest with you, I don't know how it happened. But uh, I got in with the Toledo Storm uh, ECHL hockey team, and one of the guys, Mark Kelly, that worked there, said, "Listen, we we need somebody to produce uh, our, our Storm hockey show, our weekly hockey show. It airs on Channel 11, and it's called uh, the Storm Report. And would you be interested in doing it and making 900 bucks a week?" I don't think you have to know the rest of that answer. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, I am making huge money. And we would go on locations, and uh, Mark Kelly and the, the coach of the time was uh, Craig, uh, Greg uh, Pahalski and, uh, and then Barry Soskins, who was the owner of the Storm. We all became very good friends. And I did this show for them, and we nailed it. And I would, they would bring me in uh, highlights on these big three-quarter inch tapes on Friday nights. He, uh, Dennis Rabadou, who runs BCSN now, uh, would bring these tapes over to my house in East Toledo and my little my little place in the basement. Uh, I would edit these, these, these uh, shows up at 3 in the morning, and the show aired at 7.30 in the morning on Saturday mornings on Channel 11 on the CBS affiliate. And I'd take them things over there at... They'd air at 7.30. I'd get there at 7.21, man, and they're yelling at me. But we always got them in. We always did them. And and that just kind of blossomed into the Toledo Golf Today and uh, and then the Home Improvement Show. And we were still doing the radio all along. That all just kind of meshed together. And then um, uh, that's basically where we're at now. I did a karaoke television show for a long time called uh, Toledo's uh, Toledo's own club karaoke making you the star which we were at five locations a week doing this and this was after UPS uh, and I would work with the uh, you know the big wigs in Toledo Tony Pacos which everybody knows uh, Robin Horvath and all the wonderful people Tony Paco himself are dear friends of mine and we would just have people we had terrible singers and then we had very good singers and we kind of meshed them all together and i got all those tapes one of these nights i'm gonna have to get me an old three-quarter and an old beta deck and i'm gonna have to put all of those i gotta put them on people will just die laughing watching those shows (laughs) so you know it's and i've been one of those guys you throw enough crap against the wall something's gonna stick and uh uh it's kind of hard sometimes and you get depressed and you get into funks, and you get, you don't have anybody to get you out of those funks. And uh, and with my health issues, I've I've got to learn to work around that because no one 
you know, I'll go to 10 people and seven people will say yes. Three people will say no, but I got to quit worrying about those three people that said no. I got to concentrate on the seven. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's up to me now. And, uh, and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm national now with the, uh, uh, you know, America's Funniest Home Video, but, uh, you know, everybody sees my America's Funniest Home Video thing, so. But that's basically it in a nutshell, and it's, I just don't say no. I just, no one, no one's going to knock me down until I decide I'm done, you know. And that could happen tomorrow. I could just say, you know what, I'm done. I'm going to go drive a bus. I'm going to go this. I'm going to go that. I'm going to go sit on my boat, and and I'm good. Wait, so hold on. Let's back up a second. What's the America's Funniest Home Video thing? I don't know about that. Or is that a joke? I, uh, <laughs> I was I was doing a segment for my home improvement show, Let's Fix Her Up, with my buddy Steve. And uh, we were putting new windows in an old house, his old house. And these windows hadn't moved in probably 30 years. And we got them up so that he could take the whatever's out so we could get the windows out of there so we could put the new ones in. And... Um, and these windows hadn't moved forever, and I'm talking and everything, and I'm asking about the windows. And Steve, I, I said, well, I wonder, wow, what's holding these windows up? And I went to touch the window, and it slid down, and bam, hit him right on his hands. Oh. And I'm like, oh, oh, Steve. And I pull the window back up, and Steve puts his head back down there, and he says, where's the thing that was holding up the thing coming down? Boom, and oh. right on the head. Okay. And, uh, and even the people in America is funny. And matter of fact, this was back in 90... 95, 96 and uh, um, the people at America's Funniest Home Video told me if that wouldn't have been on my TV show I would have won the $100,000 that year and they just aired it again almost 20 years later it was just on two weeks ago and I had 100 people say oh my god you had dark hair you <laughs> so, so yeah that was our fun there so in in the mid '90s too, you met you met our our buddy Mick Gonzalez along the way as well, right? When he was getting involved with the Toledo Cherokee, and kind of almost, uh, I, you know, I know Mick probably wouldn't wouldn't say it this way, but I'll say it for him. But he he was like a pioneer in terms of doing it online, like right at the beginning, doing doing the games on the internet, right? And so you, how did you guys hook up? Well. It's funny because Mick and I were talking about that today on the radio. Uh, Mick, I was I was actually doing my Saturday morning show. We were on Classic Country, 1470, or CNN Radio, or whatever it was at that time. And I was doing, I bought an hour from uh, 7 to 8 in the morning on, uh, on, the, on the AM station there. And I had a guy, this uh, Tommy, uh, that was doing the show with me. And like three out of six weeks, he just didn't show up. And Mick would listen all the time, and Dave Truman was listening all the time, and Mick called me, and I basically said, hey, if you want to come in, come on in. And that's how we met. And, uh, and uh, I had Mick, and then Dave came on board same way, and, uh, and Mick was telling me about what he was doing with uh, his. And as much as I love Mick to death, when it when it comes, I I am a I'm a nerdophile for anything that has to do with electronics. I I am so OCD. If it's got a hum in it, 
and you know me, you know how I was, I would I would literally cut my fingers off to find that hum before I make <laughs> yeah. that to tape. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. And Mick would be like, wouldn't you be there with Mick? No, no, it's all right, it's all right. And I'm like, just shut up. I'm going to find it. And I would. Nine times out of ten, I found it. Well, Mick would be one of the guys where, oh, no, it's fine. And I, I, I would love, I would listen to his radio thing, and he would... He would put one connector onto another connector onto another connector onto another connector to get it from this to that. And, you know, it works sometimes, but other times I'd be like texting him, dude, it's humming so bad I can barely hear you. Oh, no, it's not. It's fine. It's fine. And and Mick, I, I, Mick, has, Mick is a purist from the standpoint of he doesn't care if he makes money. He will never ask. He just wants to do it. He wants to be able to do, and he did hockey for so long, and they awarded him, you know, they named the the press box after him at the hockey place. And he did a wonderful job with it. For the Toledo Cherokee, yeah. He's done a phenomenal job with us. And uh, and, uh, and that's why it's not me. It's all of my people that I got with there. And uh, and I told him today, I said, you know, we're going to really, really, really work hard when we get in. And it's probably going to upset some people where I'm going to go younger, and I'm going younger from the standpoint of we're going to get some of the young bloods in there like we used to do and get them doing camera. and do, you know We're going to be doing three games at least a week for uh, we're doing Anthony Wayne, we're doing Rossford, and then we're going to bop around the NBC like we always do. And, uh, um, I, and, and I said I want to start getting some of these young kids in there and I want them doing it because the goal with the Toledo Sports Network is you go to the Toledo Sports Network and there's going to be six games that you can listen to on a Friday night. So that's what our hope is. Yeah, yeah. So it, as you got involved with Mick, I, I want to say it was, what, like early, mid-2000s? Because I remember I was in high school when BCSN started to become a thing. I want to say around 2003-ish. Yep. Yeah, because I was three years out. Okay, so you guys, you guys were doing some games for BCSN, and then decided oh. to. to or you never did games with BCSN. Never did games. Okay. Nancy Doovy, Nancy Doovy, who was the head honcho at Buckeye TV Five, is what BCSN used to be. Okay. Buckeye TV Five. That's where I got my start. Uh, that's where I did my home show. That's where I did the golf show. That's where I did the karaoke show before we moved it to channel uh, the ABC affiliate or NBC affiliate. Uh, I was in cahoots with Nancy when all of the drawing boards were talking about doing this, doing this uh, uh, sports network. And then uh, uh, when the sports network started, I never got the phone call. So, okay. So we started ToledoSportsRadio.com, and uh, we still have it. And that was in, uh, I want to say 2005. And actually, it wasn't Mick and I doing the games at first. It was myself with uh, a gentleman named Jeff Marin, Bear. Yeah. And uh, Jeff, Jeff and I were doing all of the uh, Cardinal Stritch games, and uh, and then the next year we went we went TV with it. Yeah, it's because I remember you guys had been at it for a couple of years, and then we're going to Tarantino it because I mentioned the story in the beginning. So now we're going to go back. We're going to it's like a Tarantino movie. You kind of switch it around, <laughs> but. Um, that's the only time you'll ever hear me compare myself to a world-renowned Hollywood legend. Because <laughs> I have nothing in common with Tarantino. He's a legend and I'm just a dude, man. Um, 
I digress. But weird though. But uh, 2010 was when I graduated from college. And again, I don't want to like go through it bit by bit because I talked about it on, on the on the pod with Mick. So I I don't want to be super repetitive. But for people who are listening to this for the first time, I graduated from college. I was doing sports writing in college. That was kind of my goal. And Tom Bedell, who was doing Rogers High School games on the radio, knew my right. dad because they all worked at Toledo Hospital together. So he knew about me and and what I was kind of pursuing. Because you guys initially had eyes on Tom Bedell, right? And and he, I don't think I he was going to come in, yeah. And I think he didn't really want to do the TV thing. I think he was well, more. No, he had gotten he had gotten in with doing the uh, press box stuff. Oh, that's right, because he was doing the announcements and stuff, right? For like, yep. Okay, yep, okay. Yep. And he was he became, I mean, head honcho hardcore there, and now now he's at Central. And uh, doing the same stuff at Central, so yeah, g- great, great guy. He was the one that that got me. I got to get in touch with him because because he he was the one who got me in touch with Mick. So I met up with Mick. Uh, I was excited, but always scared and nervous and hard on myself, like I always am. <laughs> so okay. I didn't dip my toe in, and then I I was writing for a couple of weeks. Um, it was a good experience, but I also kind of felt like, well, let me let me check and see what this um, what this sports broadcasting stuff is all about. And that's where I met, you know, you guys at Blue Pacific Grill after I got back in touch with Mick and did that first game out at Oxigo Anthony Wayne and and again remembering being really nervous. And right at the half when I called that play, and I'm not saying it to toot my own horn, but it was just one of those kind of like miracle moments where it was like, I was like, oh my gosh, I I called it and it happened. And just seeing Mick's face like light up and he was going nuts. Um, And then I remember going down at halftime, we'd always meet up at halftime and kind of talk about how the game was going and everything. And and I just remember the positive feeling and you were just like, man, whatever it is, like you got it. And it, it made me feel, it made me feel really good, man. You know, that you guys gave me a chance like that. And, um, we had a lot of fun, fun, uh, games and, and over the years and Cheatham and Downey and Logan and, um, all, you know, Dave Donaldson, all the people who would do camera work and going to do the playoffs and, that experience awesome yeah i mean i remember that first year we went to avon lake um and they have a great high school football stadium unfortunately genoa lost to orville again i think they had lost to them a few times in the playoffs but that was just being a 22 year old green kid and doing those games with you guys and steve taylor um who, who i just caught up with on the phone yesterday for a little bit like it's uh it almost makes me a little emotional because it was like that. That was just those were the games that kind of like that time of my life, man, was just so fun. And um, I just want to thank you because it really brought me out of my shell. I was just a guy that was kind of content to 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 write at a newspaper if I could do it. And and I always, growing up, was kind of a jokester with my friends, even if I was shy with other people. And um, you guys would let me be a goofball and do McConaughey impressions and stuff on the radio, and we would play that weird. We would play. We would play that weird music when Truman would read the uh, <laughs> the sports scores, and it would drive him crazy. Um, he's he's still real super slow when he's doing his 
it's like I had a I had a buddy of mine ask me. He's like, uh, so why do you let Truman do those? I go because you just asked. He's <laughs> like, dude. He I go listen. There is nothing conformance to what we do. We now you know we now call that radio show the worst sports show on radio. <laughs> And, you know, it is. It is. But you know what? A lot of people listen to it. A lot of people say, you guys are just, they go, I go out in my, I go out in my garage, I get there, I, you know, get it warm in there, and I, I, I drink a couple of shots, I drink my black velvet, and I listen to you on Saturday mornings. you got to do this for the rest of your life. And I'm like, oh, great, cool, cool, yeah, sure, sure. So, yeah, and, I, uh, I was with you guys um, about five years before I moved to Nashville, but I, I genuinely want to say thank you, man, for those years because um, even though we had ups and downs and there would be times where we'd have our differences, you know, you were always really supportive. I, I knew that um, – you were always going to give me reps, you know, um, and as a, as a young guy, I felt like I needed that, you know. Um, and so, you know, getting to catch up with you and Mick and um, and I'm just thankful that you guys are still here through the health issues too. You know, Mick with the cancer, um, you had those heart issues and, and we're worried about cancer and stuff. I, I remember getting a call from from my old uh, priest at Central Catholic High School, Father Mike Geiger, who's at Blessed Sacrament now in Toledo, yep. and he was he was with you in the hospital and stuff, and that was right before I was getting ready to move. So it was it was all kind of scary. I felt like things were changing, and I was like, "Man, is Mike going to be okay?" So you know what what was that period like about five six years ago for you and and going through that and, and how are things now with um, I know we just covered a lot of ground there at Toledo Sports Network in like ten minutes, but you know we did we were doing all the high school games football uh, boys and girls basketball um, and like you said we were we were carving out our our niche and and. Um, we we had some really great games and some really great teams. Um, all those Lake basketball teams with uh, Coach Bowen, um, all the great Genoa teams uh, oh, over yeah. the years. Um, I mean, because uh, their coach is at uh, Mike Vickers. He's at Swanton now, right? Um, well, he was, but he's not anymore. Okay, okay. Um, but he was the guy who kind of got that program going again, so... We're getting into the mid 2010s, and then that's when the the kind of health stuff starts. I mean, what what was that period like for you? Well, the the, the whole thing was, uh, you know, number one, I wasn't taking care of myself. I was smoking a pack at least a day. Uh, you know, I was still playing basketball. I was still doing all my fun stuff and uh, raising my kid and everything. And uh, it all just kind of caught up with me. And, uh, you know, wound up finding out I had the AFib problems with my heart that were uh, were really bad. I mean, they were really bad. And uh, uh, and I just pushed through it, just pushed through the whole the whole thing. And uh, but I wasn't feeling good. And and, you know, I to this day, I'm still not feeling good, but I'm better. I'm better, you know, my heart beats good, I'm playing basketball again, everything, I haven't had a cigarette in three, four years now, I will never smoke ever again in my life, uh, and my problem now is because of all that, I wound up getting diabetes out of it, so now I, I can't go and eat two bags of jelly beans like I would normally do, or I'm in deep, deep poop, 
and uh, and it and it and it made things a lot tougher. Uh, I'm I'm always the guy to make, you know, if we needed to make two thousand dollars a week just to cover the nut, I would make twenty one hundred dollars and then stop. So I'm making a hundred bucks, you know. But we got everything paid. I don't know how the hell we did it. We did. We got the. We needed new trailers. We got the trailers. We needed new cameras. We figured out a way without ever getting any loaned money other than Dave Truman, and we won't go there. And uh, and so now I'm actually good with it at 57 years old because I basically I have a house payment, I have a little boat payment, and I have a little car payment. I have no credit card debt, no nothing. So now with all of this. Uh, you know, virus and everything that's going on, they're going to help small businesses now. I think we're going to really look at expanding from the standpoint of getting some nice cameras and really taking our quality level to the next level. Where, like everybody says, well, Mike, all the other places have all the bells and whistles, but you guys, your announcers are so good. You know, they're they they talk, they're fun, they're you know, and and that's what I've always said has been the the main thing. They kind of have a personality where most of the uh, people that are involved in, you know, the sporting and, you know, trying to teach people how to do it, they don't want them to have personalities. They, they want them to be precise to the, the passing of the ball to Joe, to Bill, to this, to da, 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 da. And I think that's the most boringest play-by-play that could ever be. Like when you and I are there, you know about the BR549, you know that John Smith has got the this, da, 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 da. And I'll say something about, uh, you know, I don't know, the uh, the color tape that's on his shoe that he has or something. It will make a jest of it. And it, and it kind of all fills together while you're talking about, well, he's three for nine for this, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, man, I have never seen a guy wear that color tape on the bottom of his shoe. And then you start laughing. <laughs> and it, 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 people are laughing when they're watching it. <clears throat> so it's, uh, that, that's, we, we were... And everything was going great. Uh, you know, uh, I, we were actually doing a, uh, a game at Cardinal Stritch my alum, uh, for an alumni game. And I'm, I'm in there joking with everybody. And uh, Dave Cheatham and uh, Ron Gladio were doing the play-by-play. And, uh, and it was for our school to make a lot of money. And uh, the, the greatest thing that happened that night was... Every nurse and every doctor that ever went to Cardinal Stritch was at that game that night when we're playing. And I just was playing, and all of a sudden, like a Looney Tunes, my eyesight just literally stopped. It just, boom, and I was out. And uh, and they fixed me. You know, they got in there. I don't have clogged problems. All of mine are genetics. Thanks, Mom and Dad. And uh, <laughs> But they fixed it. I had an extra, I had that beat, extra beat in the heart. And, uh, and since then... Uh, you know, I've made a lot of new friends. I've gotten myself healthy again, and uh, and you know we're we're still going strong. And uh, I'm looking forward to what's going to be. You know, I really want to push volleyball this year. We don't make any money doing volleyball, but we're we're up to over a hundred thousand plus people on our YouTube websites from September until March. It's phenomenal. I mean, it's unbelievable that people watch these games and they're on they're watching them for 40 minutes 35 minutes they're not just picking a hen pecking through them so that's it that's another good thing too so you know i just got to sell it more i got to become better seller 
we're good at we do all we need to do and if you were here right now you know you'd be you and i'd be doing games all the time i love doing games with you and uh but i got to uh i, I need to learn to do the sales end of this a lot better and we're getting there so with with the state of the world right now and, it, and it's crazy i mean i've been i've been working at home for a month and i'm i'm thankful that i that i still have a job and and that uh I have the ability to do that. I know a lot of people don't. You know, my, my girlfriend is a is a hairstylist, and you know she's on unemployment right now because her salon has been closed down here in Tennessee while this is all going on. I mean, not hopefully not you know uh, closed for good, but just closed you know with the social distancing and everything. Um, how how. And I know it's maybe it's kind of a big question, but just th- this is this is affecting a lot of people, yourself included. I mean, what what are you are, are do you have any kind of things in the back of your mind, like you know, maybe turning the radio show into a podcast or YouTube or you know some of these routes where you can you know upload stuff without any overhead, um, you know, with with the with the the advancement, I guess, of just podcasting and things like that. I mean, are are any of those things rolling through your brain right now in terms of how to keep the Toledo Sports Network train rolling despite how hard financially a lot of people are getting hit and how hard a lot of the mom and pop businesses are getting hit? Well, we're gonna we're gonna look into you know uh, what we're gonna do. Uh, I don't think we're going to die. I don't know if TV is going to be in the future. Uh, the podcasts and the YouTubes and all, all of that are, are definite for us because they work well. We have quite a, you know, a namesake of uh, what we've done with Toledo Sports Network. I want to keep the television end of it in there. Uh, it's all going to depend on when we come out of this, what we're going to have. You know, is, is it, is, you know, I'm basically cutting our advertising revenue prices down to nothing. Or it just, it's just not a lot, and I'm going to have to go. Okay, I can't get Joe Schmo and this guy to spend 75 bucks a week, but I'm going to need Joe Schmo and five other guys to spend 25 dollars a week, and we're going to hopefully be at status quo then. So I need to get out more and hit more people and talk to more people, and that's you know basically. It looks like we're going to be able to start that this week, I hope. I mean, you know, we're, I have to go out this afternoon and uh, shake a lot of hands. You know, i got to put a couple of cucumbers on my eyes because I look like I'm like, God, I'm, I, I look terrible, man. I mean, I, I, I didn't tell me that, man. It's like, wow. That's, uh, whew. You just look like but, you need some sleep. Uh, yeah, it, it's a sleep thing. So, uh, so I, 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 we'll be all right. We'll be all right. We'll be all right. Main main thing is, I want to make sure that we start getting uh, more young people involved in what we're doing, so that we can explode it. And you know, so when I do decide to retire and sell the company, that's my uh, that will be my uh, my retirement money, all seventy two dollars of it. So. <laughs> well, I know you had talked about before looking into you know trying to get involved with the schools and and try to like almost make it like. A like a broadcasting type program, you know, where the kids are in high school and they're getting involved. I mean, is any of that on the, on the table in terms I, of right now it's might be, uh, I, 
I, I got to get the financial backing behind us before we start making, uh, you know, uh, things like that. Uh, I can't rule it out, though. Yeah, because I have a feeling there'd be there'd probably be a lot of kids interested in that. I mean, especially when you look at now. I mean, I look at even social media from you know, 10 years ago when I was starting with you guys to where it is now, I mean, it's exploded. I mean, back then, Twitter was not nearly as big as it is now. There was no Instagram 10 years ago. You know, um, YouTube was was was, was off and running because um, I think that started when I was like a senior in high school in 06. So by the time 2010 came around, it was rolling. But, but now, I mean, you have YouTube TV and there's actual TV shows on YouTube and um, so I, I would think there would probably be a lot of interest there from kids who want to learn about, you know, broadcasting and want to learn about, you know, how to record and stuff. And, you know, and, and, and heck, even uh, they even have, you know, full sale university where you go and you just learn, you know, if you want to learn exactly. production, if you want to learn uh, sports broadcasting. A matter of fact, I think there's a kid from my alma mater a few years ago who was doing the the light shows on tour for like Lady Gaga or something went to Full Sail University from from Central Catholic, you know. Oh wow! Um, so yeah, I think there's avenues, man, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed for you guys because, like you said, you've always and, and that's the theme of the show is perseverance. And I felt like, gosh, if there's ever a guy that, <laughs> that just won't won't quit and keeps getting back up, it's it's you. Um, yeah. And I think, and like I said, I think the positive thing with all this is, as we kind of wrap this up, is just, um, you know, you you were willing to give a guy like me my shot when nobody knew who I was, and that's why I I never, when I was in Toledo, I always I always stuck by you guys because I was like, you know, there's a there's a bond here. Mike gave me a shot when nobody knew my name. You know, I think it's cool that we're we're doing a lot of these other schools who who you know maybe wouldn't have a game on TV otherwise, um, and we had some great games and some great experiences. I mean, I remember the Nutter Brothers. As I you know, um, I remember um, I remember meeting Buster Douglas when we did that Toledo boxing event at the Huntington Center. You know, and there's very few people over the years that I've come in contact with that I've gotten like nervous around or was like in awe of because to me people are people but i remember sitting next to buster douglas and his hands were about as big as my keyboard on my laptop and i'm like this is the guy who took out iron mike you know um so so i think there's a there's there i had so many positive experiences over the years with you guys man um so i guess before we wrap this up uh what are some of your um, greatest memories to this point through all the years of the broadcasting stuff. Is there anything that sticks out, whether it's people that you've met or games that you've gotten to do that that are kind of like flashball moments for you? Gosh, uh, any of those times we went down with uh, Genoa when we did the Orville games, when we went, uh, yeah, all of those were just so incredible the amount of people and being able to pull that off with these multi-million dollar, you know, organizations. And here we are with 29 cents in our pocket and we're there, man, we're there. Uh, basically a lot of people saying, uh, Mike, you can't do it. You can't do it. Uh, basketball games where, uh, guys would text us from LA saying, dude, I'm watching this game right now. You're doing on a 72 inch, 
HD TV and it looks better than when uh, the Lakers are on. You guys look so good. And that those were the things that really, really, you know, put me in 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 orbit. And and being able to have the kids come up and the grandparents come up saying, you know, thanks. You know, we wouldn't have got to see that game if it wasn't for you guys. And that that was always my kindling wood to keep this thing going. You know, and uh, and and. It, 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 there's just so many memories, you know. Uh, now we're starting with Rossford. <clears throat> they got the brand new stadium, the brand new facilities, and and being a part of basically every game that they did this year was awesome. There's a, there's there's memories all over the place, and uh, being able to you know be around you goofballs and uh, all the great times that we all had. It, it it's just you would look forward to Friday nights no matter what. I don't care how bad it was snowing. I don't care how cold it was. I, I, we were up for it, man, and we did. We pulled it off, and that—that's uh, just something. I guess I hope that's what my uh, legacy will be. That you know, you know, it never mattered. Those guys could always pull it off. That's that's how I want to be remembered. So that, that's it. Well, Mikey, I, I appreciate the time, man. I, I I love you like uh like another older brother, and um, thank you for for. All the all the years uh, that I got to work with you guys, man, it was a lot of fun. I feel like it uh, it really helped me, like I said, come out of my shell and, and discover more things. I mean, even this podcast, like I you you were the guy that recorded my podcast for me. You know what I mean? Um, before I started to try, finally after years of doing it and uh, you know showing up five minutes before the radio show started and just doing McConaughey, I was like, you know, I probably should learn how to plug a few things in. <laughs> and um, you were always supportive, man, and, and I really appreciate always that. Perfect. And thank you for that. Um, where can the people find you right now in terms of the stuff that you're doing? What What are some things you want to put out there? ToledoSportsNetwork.com, that's basically where you want to go. And, you know, the golf show's on there, the uh, Lake Erie Portacol, our new uh, – boating show that we're doing uh let's fix her up you can kind of all get it from there and uh you know mike jameson on uh on facebook that's my big one and then what's the youtube channel name i uh, actually just type in uh, mike jameson toledo sports network and we've got over 900 videos on there okay okay and then and then lastly too i i know you got some local coverage back home i i wanted to touch on that too with with covid19 are you still uh, working with people right now when when people can't go to funerals and doing videography? We've done and- a few of them. We've done a. We actually they did a real nice story about us. Uh, my my uh, friend of my family uh, uh, messed her car up and wound up going into Lake Erie when she was looking for her dog and wound up passing away. Uh. And so my family asked me to do the the live streaming for that. And it's uh, we've done four or five of them now, and uh, it works out good for people. But it, see, that's another one of them businesses where everybody that has a, a iPhone, oh, I can do that, I can this, I you know. So that's so yeah, we'll just set our iPhone up and do it, and da 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 da, and then you can't hear the audio. You can't, and I, I if they want us to do it, we can do it. I'm there. But, uh, you know, it's so funny they did this story on us on two of their three TV stations. And I had 40 people call me 
and 35 of them were other video companies wanting to know how I got my audio so good and my video so good and why it looks like television instead of looking like a podcast, you know? And I go, dude, 30 years I've been learning how to do this. You, you can go and figure it out yourself. So, because eh, you were doing, you grunchy old man, you were doing it for free for people, right? You, you, you know, oh yeah, yeah, because you you wanted people to be able to 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 see their family member laid to rest. God, it's weird, man. We are we are truly in some like Stephen King novel right now. It's so crazy. It's crazy. We'll get through it though, man. Well, keep yep. your head up, Mikey. I love you. I'm glad you're still here. I'm glad uh, you're fighting through the health stuff and um, and all this other. All this other COVID nineteen stuff, and um, you always used to say we'll make it work, and I know you will, man. So thanks for taking some time. I, I thought it'd be cool to kind of share your story on the podcast because uh, um, I know what you've meant to me. <clears throat> so hang in there, man. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Michael. Love you like a younger brother, and I'll always take care of you if I have to. So you be good down there, and you always got a job when you come back to Toledo. If you come back to Toledo, so. I appreciate yeah. it, man. I don't. I don't plan. I come back to visit. <laughs> um, I know you come back to visit, and I never get to see you when you come back. So. I did the radio show. I came back. You did the radio show. I, I yes, did. did. I did because normally I fly in and I don't. I don't have a car. But no, that was fun. I'm glad we got to do the Christmas show. That was that was good time getting to catch up with all you guys, man. Amen. Amen. All right, man. Well, you have a great rest of your day. Thanks again, Mikey. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Be good. Thank you. Thank you. All righty, Dighty. There you have it. That was my conversation with the one, the only, Mike Jamison of Toledo Sports Network. Mikey, I love you. Thanks for doing the show, man. Thank you to all of you who checked out the podcast. I hope you guys had as much fun listening to it as as I had uh, having the conversation with Mike and catching up with him. It was great. I love you, Mikey. Uh, make sure you go check out everything that Mike Jamison and the gang at Toledo Sports Network are doing at ToledoSportsNetwork.com. I'm also going to put up the links on the episode description for the YouTube and the Facebook and the Twitter links out there for Toledo Sports Network and on YouTube. You can also check out the other shows that Mike's doing. Um, just just, uh, just a guy that just, man, just has gotten his hands in, in a lot in terms of the the broadcasting and the radio stuff over the years and a guy that just continues to, to soldier forward and get back up and, and continue to do his thing. And that's something I really admire about him is that he's he's not a quitter. You know, he's somebody that continues to to press forward and to keep on keeping on so i really couldn't think of a of a better guy to have on this podcast with the theme of just you know perseverance and moving forward you know mike is is one of those people i've learned a lot from him and you know being able to work with those guys at Toledo sports network i mean those were some great years in my life some really formative years in my life it's it's crazy to be sitting here at 32 years old and you know think about being 22 and getting out of college and and meeting those guys a few months after I graduated, it, it really all seems like it was yesterday. It's time is such a crazy, weird. I mean, I could go off on a tangent about that alone. Like, is it linear? What are memories? But I won't. <laughs> I already took away five minutes of everybody's time ranting about my wispy 
crappy stash attempt at a stash and a beard at the beginning of this so i won't i won't go off on another tangent here at the end all that said though it 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 is funny though you know like i'm i'm at that stage of life where it's like you're you're more conscious of getting older you know you start to have some more aches and pains you know i can't eat whatever i want like i used to i'm i'm more conscious of the sleep that i get you know when i was in college i used to be able to just you know, go on four or five hours of sleep and, and it wouldn't affect me at all. And now it's like, if, if I don't get seven, I'm like, ugh, ugh. I know everybody out there with kids is like, shut up about sleep. But in all seriousness, man, like it's just, um, having conversations like this, it just kind of takes you back a little bit and you go, wow, man, like time really does fly. But more importantly, time well spent is really important, you know? And I think this pandemic at least for for myself, has really made me refocus on who and what is really important to me and what I do with my time. Because at the end of the day, that's that's the most important resource that all of us have is the time we have, and it is very finite and it's very quick in terms of in terms of our time on this planet and these bodies, man. So I want to use every opportunity that I can, you know, not to sound cheesy, but to spread love, to spread positivity. And to just try to be a good dude to the people that that meet me, um, and I think that's why I'm so hard on myself when I do fail, you know, to to live up to the expectations that I have for myself, where I make mistakes, where I make dumb decisions. Because uh, at the end of the day, I'm I'm not trying to hurt anybody while I'm on this planet, man. I really want to spread good and do good, and uh, that's what I hope this podcast does. You know, hopefully, this is a, a little slice of positivity. Like I said, for your day, wherever you're listening to this, however you're listening to this. And, you know, when we come out of this coronavirus thing, I just hope that, uh, you know, it, 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 we, we, we come out of it as, 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 you know, as human beings that just are good to each other. You know, um, I think we're all connected by this in kind of a weird, messed up way, but hopefully on the other side of it, it's, we're closer as a people, not just as a nation here in the United States, but just as a world globally, because everybody is going to be affected by this, man, you know, and I hope and pray that you and your loved ones, like I said earlier, are safe, but uh, there's going to be a global connection with this, and I hope it breeds positivity and love and connection and more humanity. Um, We've seen a lot of good being done during this virus with donations and people helping each other out. And I hope that really continues, and hopefully things like this podcast are just something else to, to just motivate you to go out there and do good and pursue your dreams, man. Uh, so with that being said, I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you to everybody listening to the show. Again, make sure you go check out Mike Jamison and everybody at Toledo Sports Network at ToledoSportsNetwork.com. I'll put up the links to the other socials, as it were. And as far as this podcast, it's March 4th dot podbean.com and pretty much every podcast app out there i know for sure it's on the one that i use daily which is the podcast addict app and it's also on the podbean app p-o-d-b-e-a-n gotta give a shout out to podbean they're the host site for this if you're interested in starting a podcast yourself i highly recommend that you check into podbean that's who I've been with since Jump Street, you know, about, man, eight years ago now when I started this bad boy. So with all that being said, man, be safe, be good to each other, keep the faith, and be kind to one another. Thank you for listening.